This is part two of our history of the hamburger. You really need to listen to part one before listening to this episode in order for everything to make sense. So if you didn't hit part one first, that was last week's episode. So go back, check your feed, listen to that first, and then get back to us. If you did listen to that, then welcome to part two. Let's do it. Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests for tasty facts, foodie secrets, and more. Welcome to part two of our History of the Hamburger. In the last episode, we discussed the origin of ground meat, the original hamburger from Hamburg, Germany, and the initial contenders for the inventor of the modern American hamburger. I did not realize there'd be so many people. There was a lot. Well, we've only done two so far, but this episode is going to be bringing in a lot more. Yeah. So was it Hamburger Charlie, whose failed attempt to sell messy meatballs at the state fair resulted in him just squishing them flat and serving them in some bread? Or was it the Menches brothers who were selling up hamburgers in Hamburg, New York? Or maybe you're going to give it to White Castle who opened the first hamburger chain in 1916. Well, don't decide yet, because we have a lot more contenders to discuss in this episode. And before we get started, don't forget, do please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen. It helps you get more episodes from us when we release them. And of course, it helps us rise up the charts so that more people listen to our episodes. And that means we'll make more episodes. Exactly. We also love hearing from you guys. I've received a couple of emails um, just saying how much you love listening to the show when you're commuting to work, wherever you're going. So we love hearing from you guys. So uh, please keep that up. Uh, hit me up at megzi at foodfuntravel.com and tell us what you love about the show. We love hearing it. And most importantly, if you love the show, do actually share with your friends, other people that might be foodies who are interested in a bit of food history and some food stories from around the world. Let them know that this podcast exists because that's going to help us boost our rankings as well. All right, let us continue with the second part of the history of the hamburger and our next contender in the race for who invented the modern American hamburger. Moving on to contender number three. Oh, lots of people. Oscar Weber Bilby. Now, this one is particularly interesting because he lays claim to the first known hamburger on a bun. Now, as I said, the guys from White Castle created a specifically made bun for their hamburgers for a commercially made product. This guy just used to make them on Grandpa Oscar's farm, his own farm, for Fourth of July celebrations, starting apparently in 1891. Interesting. Yeah. So the bun that he actually made it on was um, his wife made it. It was a yeast bun. And the story of the making of this has been passed down through generations, like a family Bible or something like that. So Grandpa said it was June of 1891 when he took up a chunk of the iron and made himself a big old grill. And then the next month on the 4th of July, he built a hickory wood fire underneath that grill. And when those coals were glowing hot, he took some ground Angus meat fired up a big batch of hamburgers. And when they're all cooked all good and juicy, he put them on Grandma Fanny's homemade yeast buns. This is how we know it's not an Australian story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's not explain that one. Let's you can Google not. it. Um, 
So, yeah, the buns were made of her own secret recipe. Uh, they put the burgers on the buns. They gave it to neighbors, friends, everyone who came around to celebrate 4th of July celebrations. And they did that every year on the 4th of July. Like as many as like 125 people would show up because he made the best hamburgers in the area. But he didn't actually sell the burgers commercially. Mm, interesting. But this story is mainly based off one old person's testimony going, I remember the year that he put these on the buns. And that's why I tie an onion to my belt, because it was the style at the time. Must have been 1891. I got a very clear memory, and I wrote the dates down in my mental notes in my brain. I mean, this is what I said at the very beginning. A lot of these stories are told by family members who are still around, and they're like, yeah, of course Grandpa invented it. Of course Uncle Joe invented it. He told me so himself. And this is why it's actually really hard to pinpoint who created the hamburger because it's all based on a lot of tall tales and old stories and and stuff like that. But uh, we're going to move through all of them and see. And this is why I said everyone needs to make up their own mind because the first two contenders that we had both put their meat patties on two pieces of bread. And I don't know if I call that a hamburger. I think I call that a sandwich. Yeah, maybe. Hamburger sandwich. Mm. I don't know. Anyway, regardless of anything, the you know facts or uh, evidence, nineteen ninety five. We don't need those. Come uh, on. Governor Frank Keating proclaimed that the first true hamburger on a bun was created and consumed in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in eighteen ninety one, calling Tulsa the real birthplace of the hamburger. And that was it. That's the whole story. They just claim it. Yeah. Can I claim it? I invented the That's burger. That's what I'm saying. All of these places have all these stories that go with them. And then they're like, even I a story. claim it. Oh, I made, made burgers. And people were like, yeah, that was, that was my thing. Well, I, I made burgers. I claim it. I, Did like, you do it in 1891? Terminator. <laughs> it's, it's a, <laughs> yeah, even. I went back in time. I haven't done it yet. God, all right. Give me all some right. time. I'm not that old. All right. Give me a few years to figure it out. Once I have my time machine, I'm going back. I'm going to make burgers. I will have done it. All and right. then you'll do the show again and we'll have the real facts, which will be that I went back in time. All right. I still have three contenders to get through. So oh. this, this is how like fierce it is. Like everyone's like, oh, it was me. This one's actually really interesting. This particular contender is Lewis Larson. And he was a Danish immigrant. Or Louis Larson. Who knows? We still can't decide. I can't figure out if it's Louis or Lewis. He was a Danish immigrant and owner of Louis Lunch. That has the little, the little hook, little... That's, that's Louis' lunch. I'm sure Americans will know what we're talking about. We've yeah. got no idea. We're just making this stuff up. Um, so, yeah, he owned Louis' lunch in New Haven, Connecticut. And he actually, everyone knows that he served steak sandwiches. He's well known for his steak sandwiches. He was making them for local factory workers to sort of eat on their breaks and stuff like that. And apparently not wanting to waste any of the leftover meat that he had, he took the excess and he ground up the beef trimmings to serve in a patty between, once again, toasted slices of bread and this was in 1895 perhaps 1900 i know there's five years discrepancy in there but no one can really say exactly when it was the interesting point here is that he was a danish immigrant and the frikadella is also a popular dish from denmark in fact if you look at the history of the frikadella which was that german patty i was talking about earlier they don't actually know if it came from denmark or from germany it's mm-hmm. the same made patty grilled or fried beef minced patty and flattened and flattened. it's a meatball that's flattened yeah yeah which is popular from both denmark and germany but they don't know where exactly it came from and this was a danish immigrant who was creating the same 
fricadella patty and putting it between two pieces of bread. I find that pretty interesting. Oh, so we've got a got a strong contender this here. This is me. This is my personal opinion. Also, a New York magazine once stated that the dish actually had no name to begin with until some rowdy sailors from Hamburg named the meat after themselves years later, which would make sense because, you know, they know the fricadella, they know the Hamburg steak, and they're like, this is about us, it's a hamburger, this is our, this is our dish. But there's actually no er- evidence to actually support this claim. It's just a- No, because it's in a newspaper and we all know how un- unreliable they are. <laughs> so, yeah, what yeah. can you do? But as I've been saying throughout this thing, the simple fact is that he used toasted bread. And there are a lot of critics out there, especially like um, there was Josh Ozersky. He was the food editor for New York Magazine and the author of the book The Hamburger, A History. It's a very serious book. And he claimed that uh, it's a sandwich. It's not a hamburger because bread was toasted. It's got to be on a bun. I kind of think the same. So does Josh. Did Josh. Sadly, he's passed away now, but that's uh, irrelevant to the podcast. Good. Better leave that in then. Yep. Actually, um, unlike a lot of these other contenders that we have, Louis Lunch is still selling their hamburgers from a small brick building in New Haven. If you're from New Haven, let us know if this is true. And if you can go to Louis Lunch and try their hamburgers. Is it still toasted bread? Apparently, the sandwich is grilled vertically in an antique gas grill served between two pieces of toast rather than a bun, and they refuse to provide mustard or ketchup. You can go to hell if you want any of that on my burgers. Well, I might go somewhere else for a burger then. So, yeah, might not be going to New Haven anytime soon. (laughs) But if you're from New Haven or you've passed through there, let us know if you've had this burger because they're laying claim to the first hamburger. It it does lay claim to that uh, Danish-German heritage which has that fricadella, which is the meat patty that we were talking about earlier. Is it? Is it? It's kind of close. Yeah. Is there cheese? Th- that doesn't count. That doesn't mean anything. We're talking about does hamburgers. Me. Does to me. Ha- the cheeseburger doesn't even come about to like 1960 Don't or something. Don't tell me that. Just yeah. makes me sad. It took a while for them to figure out cheese I was a good idea. Think of all these people who, in history, they had already died before the cheeseburger was even invented. That's not fair. I know, but think of how many times we've eaten something and we're like, you know what this needs? cheese and we've just put it on it and we've created something new but it's not like we've told everyone hey you know what tastes really good with this cheese but the question would be if you're walking down the street and you've got a hamburger from a corner burgery that's what they're called why not then you wouldn't just have cheese in your pocket to put on it so this is why i'm sad i mean we would well (laughs) yeah we would now in the modern days where we carry cheese with us wherever we go because you know international travelers with our own cheese but people didn't just take cheese to work with them back in those days so i this is why i'm sad for them anyway we digress because uh, this has nothing to do with the hamburger has a lot to do with cheese though and that's never a digression no that's true all right so we're going to move on to the next contender who actually isn't a contender at all but i wanted to include him because cheese no there's no no cheese all right Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to include him because he actually has some really solid ties to the original German Hamburg story, which makes it really interesting. So his name was Bert W. Gray, and he absolutely took no serious credit for having invented the hamburger. But he does. But he did invent it. End it's, of it's, podcast. It's, 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 <laughs> It's kind of like, <laughs> it's right. like, oh, I'll I didn't it. claim it, but. Then, it was me. <laughs> yeah, it was the, he's, he was known one time as that someone in a northern part of the state was saying that they invented it. And he was like, oh, pff, I don't pay any attention to him. 
I got plenty of proof it was me. <laughs> but I don't like lime. I'm not saying that I made it, but you know but I made I it. But, but I'm not saying that I did, but you know. You've seen my time machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know I came back and invented it first. So, uh, Gray's hamburger business, it all started about 1901, 1902-ish, when he operated a little cafe on the east side of Clorinda's Courthouse Square, which is in Iowa. So, Mr. Gray recalled... There was an old, I might even get you to do this. I don't know how to do an Iowa accent. Just do an old man voice. I'm just going to do an old man voice. There was no German here named Aliwal. You're not making any sense. You need to like speak articulately (laughs) because you don't make no sense. I'll start again. There was an old German here named Aliwal. Aliwal translation. Oh, wow, maybe. Who knows? And he ran a butcher shop. One day he was stuffing a bologna with a little hand machine. And he said to me, Bert, why would you make ground meat? You can make his voice German because he's German. And he said to me, and he was German, so he would have spoken a little bit like this. But why wouldn't you make ground meat to make a good sandwich? I said, I tried. So I took this ground beef and mixed it with an egg and uh, batter and fried it. I couldn't get anybody to eat it. I, I quit the egg batter and just took the meat with a little flour to hold it together. And the new technique paid off. Soon they had almost run all of the other cafes in the whole town out of the sandwich business. Thank you, Bert. Got a little bit Kevin Spacey at the end there, which is controversial these days. <laughs> oh, it is. No one can say the KS word. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, so they made these new ground beef burgers that they sold and they became really popular. And uh, Gray continued that uh, the old German butcher, he came from Hamburg. And so he was like, whoa, what do we call it? And he said, we should call it the hamburger. Yeah. And they sold it for a nickel apiece in those days. So apparently what they actually did was they, uh, Gray would go to a local bakery and he would buy some buns and he would serve his hamburgers along with chopped onions, catsup and mustard. Sound familiar to anyone? Catsup. Does it exist? There's a lot of internet rumors that catsup doesn't really exist. It's all ketchup. So that's the story of Gray, who lays no credit to actually inventing the hamburger, but But still secretly tells everyone to the side that he totally invented the hamburger. Because he has the best voices from the whole episode. Indeed. So that one is really interesting because he had this German butcher who was from Hamburg. As you mentioned earlier in the episode, people called themselves Hamburgs. Hamburgers. hamburgers. People you're from Hamburg, you're a hamburger. Yeah. Like a Berliner. I'm a Berliner. Ich bin Berliner. It's a very famous quote that was completely wrong because it was about a donut. Um, but yeah, there you go. Some people might know what I'm talking about. You obviously don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. I, I think it was uh, some visiting politician from America said, Ich bin Berliner or something. And they said, I am, I am a, uh, a donut. <laughs> I'm a, a, a donut from Berlin. Because apparently there's some. Berlin donut. I, I probably, this is this story is terrible. It's probably the opposite. It's probably someone from Berlin went to America and said, "I'm a Berliner," and 
And it turns out there's a donut in America called a Berliner, and everyone was just saying, I'm a donut. Yeah, who is this guy who's just turned up from Berlin and is just saying he is a donut? I'm a donut. I don't really know what he's talking about. So, yeah, who knows? Um, people can just tweet us the real story because yeah. we probably can't be bothered to check. Nah. Ich bin Berliner. All right. Ich bin Hamburger. Hamburger. Exactly. Yeah, so that's the story of Bert W. Gray. I thought that was a pretty strong contender. We're going to finish off with Fletcher Davis. Now, He's a big hitter when it comes to the contenders. And a lot of people, you look up a lot of websites, everyone says that this is the dude that made it all happen. So Fletcher Davis is, uh, is accredited with bringing the hamburger stall to the 1904 St. Louis. St. Louis, Louis. Louis. No one knows. St. Louis World's Fair. Is this the same World Fair? Yes. So they're so, all there at the same time? No, he just- no, 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 no. This is the guy. So all of these people said, I invented it, I invented it, I invented it, I invented it. But the very first time it became famous on a national scale was when the New York Tribune wrote about it. I think it's Tribune. Tribune. I, I say think, Tribune. Yeah, I know we do, but I think they say Tribune. Oh, they'll get over think, it. I'll get over it. Um, all right. They're over it. Let's so- move on. <laughs> <laughs> so this is happy. the World's Fair that I was mentioning earlier. So this is the thing. He's meant to be the guy that had the stand at the World Fair that they spoke about in the newspaper article. So the story is that in 1904, Davis and his wife, City, ran the sandwich stand at the St. Louis, St. Louis World Fair. Now, we do 100% know that the Hamburger gains national recognition at this fair when it was referred to in the New York Tribune and they said the innovation of a food vendor on the pike and they were referring to hamburgers. So the pike was a a wide mile-long span of the fair that showcased like all sorts of amusements and activities. So it's like the hamburger is the innovation of the food vendor on the pike. Like It's the best one of the whole fair. It's the best one to be at. It's a sensation. But, and there's a big but here, there was never a Fletcher Davis on the official concessionaire's list or on the final financial balance sheet of the fair. Tax evasion. Well, the company's not going to let anyone just show up and squat and sell burgers or sell anything. Like, I don't people, know, it was they're 1904. Gonna, they're going to be on that. Come on. They, were making, they knew how to make money in 1904. There's no way they're going to let anyone just turn up and make some money off their fair. This was like the world fair. He used a fake name for tax evasion. Oh, I'm going to get to it. Okay. <laughs> oh, you have a real story. This is just my I, guess. I know I, I know. I do have a real story. The, the big issue here is that everything relates back to this article that was written by the New York Tribune, but they never, ever mentioned a particular vendor that they were talking about. They were just talking about the hamburger. So we really have no idea at all who they were talking about. The thing that was really difficult at this time was it was obviously a particular dish that was sort of growing in popularity, whether it be the Hamburg steak, whether it be, you know, the Hamburg steak that's been pressed and put between two pieces of bread. I mean, a lot of people are claiming this at similar times. And a lot of immigrants are coming through and tiny vendors are, you know, creating stalls and then disappearing. I mean, it's much like being in the restaurant world today. You create something new and people like it and you do well, or you create something new and people don't like it 
and uh, you disappear. Except these days, you post it on Instagram straight away and you're like, it was exactly this minute on this day. And it's I have very, copyright claim that I invented this because no one else posted first. It's a very, very, very different world. Totally different. So all they have leading them to Davis, to Fletcher Davis, is a large photograph of the pike that was taken at the 1904 fair with a big sign that said, Old Dave's Hamburger Stand. Now, this particular photo was provided by an Athens, Texas resident and multi-millionaire sportsman who actually founded the Dallas Cowboys. His name is Clint Murchison. Now, Murchison said that his grandfather was at the fair, took that photo, and had very strong memories of having the very same sandwich at a cafe back in Texas in the late 1880s and remembered the innovator only as old Dave. He's like, yep, old Dave's hamburger stand. I remember old Dave. I had his burger back in Texas. I remember that. That's the man. Terminator. No. no the, the timeline was changed. So they got a photo. The photo remained. And then everyone's memories were changed. I, I don't know. Terminator. You're going to have to let the Terminator um, go. Yeah. So, actually, this was sort of believed. Everyone just went, okay, old Dave, cool. That was, that was his stand and he was from Texas. And all right, we totally believe that. It wasn't until many, many, many years passed and there was further investigation done by a reporter called Frank X. Tolbert. And he was a former newspaper columnist of the Dallas Morning News. And in 1983, a great year, I must say. Mm, special year. <laughs> uh, he uncovered that old Dave was apparently the guy who was talking about in the very beginning, Fletcher Davis from Athens, Texas. And he actually said, it took me years of sweat neck research. Oh, can you do a Texas accent? Not really. Yeah, this is basically how we lose all of our listeners from Texas. We already lost, lost most of our American listeners, but apparently I'm doing this. It took me years of sweat net research before I finally determined, at least in mine and in some other Texas historian's estimation, that Fletcher Davis, 1864-1940, also known as Old Dave of Athens, Texas, invented the hamburger sandwich. So he was pretty gung-ho that he had done the thorough research that was required to claim that Fletcher Davis was indeed the inventor of the hamburgers back in the 1880s. The thing that I find really weird here, personally, I, I did a lot more research into this. So as he said in his quote there, Fletcher Davis from 1864 to 1840, the actual- 1940. Oh, sorry. Otherwise, he got younger. He didn't. He discovered the fat Terminator. <laughs> Found in a youth. It's not Terminator. Uh, 1864 to 1940, that means he was only in his 20s when he invented the hamburger and having a name like Old Dave seems a bit of a peculiar nickname to have when you're only like 25 years old, 24 years old or something. He was an old soul, perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, nicknames are nicknames, but I find it a little weird that he would have had a stand called, you know, Old Dave's Hamburger Shack. It was ironic. It could have been. It very much could have been. He was not only a culinary genius, but also a master of wit. <laughs> it could have been so. It's like little John, who was like six foot seven. Exactly. It, it could have been that, but I find it a little bit peculiar. But many, many people take this research as 100% evidence that, yes, old Dave, a.k.a. Fletcher Davis, did invent the hamburger. That's the end of it. Let's not talk about it anymore. Let's move on. But 
there are a few flaws in this story. And the reason why I'm going so deep into this particular guy is because it's he's he's noted as the dude at the 1904 fair. Like, he's the guy that put it on the, the grand stage. But the reporter who decided he was definitely the guy is from Fox News, right? <laughs> this is the issue here. <laughs> no, he's a very reputable uh, journalist, but he just had a few issues in, in his- He was uh, drunk when he did the research. It could have been that. Yeah. It could have been that. He'd been hanging out with Hunter S. Thompson, <laughs> yeah. and things have gone a little cray-cray. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, yeah, there are a few flaws in the story. Another reporter named Gary Cartwright um, of the Texas Monthly, he wanted to look into the claims a little bit more as Clint Murchison, the uh, founder of the Dallas Cowboys, he's actually a notorious prankster. So, claims from the guy who won Dallas Summer while a friend was away vacationing on a yacht, had a crew go to his mate's house, dismantle his mate's garden wall, and then hoisted a 24-foot cruiser into his swimming pool and then rebuilt the wall. (laughs) That's an epic prank. (laughs) So this is the guy (laughs) that uh, Frank Tolbert took word from that his grandfather was at the 1904 fair that he had previously had this burger in Texas. And that he was a professional photographer in 1904 taking still photography Well, he on did actually stem. send him the photo. He did send him that photo yeah. of old Dave's hamburger shack. Had the actual original photo. He did. Well, that's pretty good evidence. But it's not evidence that it was the same dude that was from Texas. It's just like no, he's- No, but yeah. it's evidence that his story- lines up with what he believes. Exactly. That's, but that's a good start. This is why he wanted to look into it because one on one side, this guy is a notorious prankster. On the other side, you know, well, he just wanted to know whether or not it really was a Texas thing. So he decided to double check. So he actually went and spoke to the Davis family directly, the people who were still around. And he did this in 2009. They do actually claim, yes, Fletcher Davis is old Dave and he invented the hamburger. But here's where things get really weird. Davis was actually a potter by trade, not a cafe owner. So this is why his name was, wasn't on the official vendors list. He was there at the fair in 1904. They actually have vendors tickets to prove it, which are issued to Fletcher Davis for the 1904 fair, but it identified him as a pottery turner representing WS Ceramics Co. Nothing about hamburgers. So he broke into a hamburger stall and started serving food? I don't know. The family insists that their Uncle Fletch used his ceramic pass to get in the door, but his intention was to travel there to St. Louis to sell hamburgers on the Midway. I mean, far-fetched as that sounds in 1904 when you could just be like, come on, man, I'm I'm a potter. I'm just going to make some pots. Oh, yeah, got my meat in, hit it inside some pots. Now I'm going to cook up some hamburgers. No one's going to check. They're not going to know. 904. Yeah. And it's- everyone's like, oh, this is really tasty. No one's going to complain. No, they're not going to put complaints in. Like, this guy, he, I thought he was making pottery, but his burgers are delicious. Throw them out. No. The second really interesting thing about this story is that the family actually agrees that there was no account of him cooking hamburgers until he married his wife, Seedy. In 1896. So this means there's no evidence of him cooking until years after the date that he was supposed to have this cafe 
in Texas that Clint Murchison's the prankster that his grandfather had apparently frequented and recognized at the fair. But the fair was in 1904. Yeah, but he said he remembered the burgers from the 1880s. Uh. But he, they, the family says he never started cooking burgers till 1896. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't it? Well, old Dave must have been a different Dave at the cafe. Well, if it was in the 1880s, he would have only been 15, 16 years yeah. old. Owning a cafe. Yeah, but then he was old Dave when he was 45. I mean, that's the thing about how stories work, isn't it? Yeah, sure, you met him when he was 15, but by the time you're retelling the story 50 years later, you're like, oh, yeah, old Dave, because he changed his name to old Dave by 1904. The picture at the 1904 fair said old Dave's hamburger shack, and he would have been 25 about that time. He was born in 1864. He would have been 38. Which in those years would make him an old person. Oh, yeah, so he was 38. Oh, yeah, so he was totally old. Where did he get 25 from? I don't know. I don't know. We've been, we've been saying this for the last 15 minutes, so this is going to be confusing for everybody. Still, by modern standards, 38 would not be old, but in 1904, 1904 38, you're like, most of my friends be dead already. How am I still alive? I'm an old Dave. I'm older than Jesus. Old Dave. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> older than Jesus. It's pretty old. Oh. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, maybe he was an old Dave. And then at that point, after that, people remember him as old Dave, even though once he was young. Because all old people were once young, believe it or not. What? Did you know this? Did you know this? I know a lot of older people who are older than me. And apparently they were younger than me once, not at the same time. But they were at one point before I was born younger than the age I am now. You have completely lost me. This Terminator. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Its timeline is very confusing. So yeah, this, this all gets really more weird. Even though 1904, as we have said again and again and again, this is where the hamburger took off and everyone was like, national. Oh, what's this new food? Oh, it's the hamburger. It's amazing. Apparently, after the fair closed, Uncle Fletch, because oh, we're talking to the ancestors, uh, went back to his trade of firing pots and never grilled another burger except at family picnics and company parties. That's very confusing. Isn't it? This is, is it, I mean, this is coming from a reporter who a apparently spoke to the family. Yeah. At the World Fair and he went, nah, there's no money in this. I'm going back to pots. Yeah, I don't know. I just find it a little bit too weird. There's a lot of discrepancies in the story. Yeah. It's all, it's all a little bit confusing, plus the fact that at the start of the story, he was 25. Now we've decided he's 38. Okay, that's my bad math. It, it's very confusing. But yeah, no, it doesn't quite add up. It doesn't no. quite add up. So, and the thing also, and this is what I've been going through the whole episode. So, even though the New York Tribune called it a hamburger, it was uh, fried ground up beef patties with mustard, Bermuda onion between two slices of bread and a pickle on the side. So that's, it still sticks to the question. Is, is it like a patty that's between two slices of bread? Is that a burger? Is that really a burger? I don't know. Or can you give it to like Gray and Bilby who actually put it on buns? I don't know. I don't know. It's, see, and this is where everyone needs to make up their own definition of what they think a hamburger is. If you think that it is two pieces of bread that is absolutely fine, but you have the meat patty in between that's been squished down, then I guess you got to give it to Charlie. Charlie Negreen back in 1885, or even the Menches brothers that were sort of meant to be 1885-ish, they created these pressed 
meat patties between two pieces of bread, sold them, and they were the hamburgers. If you think it needs to be between a bun, then you're going to be looking at Gray and Bilby who actually put them on buns. So that's looking more like uh, 1891 or 1901-1902. I don't know. I don't think I've made my mind up. No? Uh, I I mean, I don't mind having a, a hamburger between two slices of bread. But as we said before, I also consider the meat part to be the hamburger. Well, think of it if you, if you went to a restaurant and you ordered a hamburger, just looking at it off the menu, and it came out and it was just two pieces of bread. How would you feel about that? Yeah, I guess I'd be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be sending them a letter saying you have misunderstood the definition of a hamburger. I'd be saying, I do not prefer your type of presentation. Thank you. Mm, I see. I think I'd be like, this isn't a hamburger, this is a sandwich. But also, you go into a supermarket and you go and buy hamburgers in a box. There's no bread in the box. I mean, yes, you can buy those little burgers pre-bred with bread that you put in a microwave that are terrible in a service station, but you go into a supermarket and go to the frozen section and buy a box of hamburgers and it's six hamburger patties. So you're saying that going back to the Hamburg steak, that's the original hamburger and no matter how you serve that, whether it be bread, whether it be as it is, that is the hamburger. I think the meat's the hamburger. Hmm. I think the bun is a hamburger dish. I would really like to know what everyone out there thinks. So please feel free to tweet us at Food Fun Travel or email us at megzy at foodfuntravel.com and let us know what do you think actually makes a, a hamburger? Does it, is it just the patty or does it have to be the whole kit and caboodle? I mean, at the very least, I feel with this episode, we have finally taught people that a hamburger was not named after ham. No, there's no. People do think this. Why is there no ham in a hamburger? Surely that's a beef burger. It was named after a place. It was named after Hamburg. Whether it, whether you believe who was the first person who created it, whether it was Hamburg, New York, or if it was Hamburg, Germany, well, 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 who can say? But uh, yeah, lots and lots of people really fiercely claim that they created the first hamburger. But it is really the simple fact that it's it's entirely possible that more than one person came up with the same idea at the same time in a different part of the country because putting a meat patty between two slices of bread is not reinventing the wheel. The meat was already going on. Oh, they were we've, loving the we've meat agreed everywhere. This, yep. The meat as a Hamburg steak was already going on and people putting things between bread has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years and street food convenience. Yeah. It could have just all of these stories could be true. They could literally all have happened simultaneously. They could all be 100% fact and have all happened at the same time. Well, they didn't. They happened at different times. Well, Terminator. (laughs) But, you know, like they happened roughly within the same decade. Because at that point, although, yes, the news did spread some information around, it wasn't Instagram. So someone could have invented a hamburger independently and not heard that someone else had invented the same dish for 10 years because they just were in their little town in New Haven, not listening to anyone else and going, I'm not putting it in a bun, I'm keeping it in toast, because that's what I want to put it in. And no mustard or ketchup. And no cheese. So I'm not going there. (laughs) So, yeah, that is uh, the contenders. That is the history of the hamburger. Of course, uh, we know after that they became international sensations. (laughs) 
I do have a couple of fun facts about hamburgers sure. that you'd like to know. So, it actually wasn't such a instant boom for the hamburger. As I mentioned earlier, they got sort of put in with like having some really bad quality meat and they became not as popular. They also became really unpopular in World War One because <laughs> they were obviously fighting against Germany. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't help, does it? It didn't help. So, uh, the American government decided that they were going to try and rebrand the very unpatriotic hamburger as the Liberty Sandwich. Uh, they tried this before with Freedom Fries. Well, actually, they tried this more recently with Freedom Fries. Yeah. Not before, unless you're on a different timeline at like sa- I am. They were really into Liberty at the time. So, they also tried to rename sauerkraut as Liberty Cabbage <laughs> and German measles as Liberty Measles. <laughs> Office. <laughs> Who in the office was like, yeah, it's Liberty but Measles. Why change it to Liberty Measles? Like, if you're trying to say a bad thing about Germans, just keep it as German yeah. Measles because German Measles sucks. That's the worst marketing plan ever. Don't change it. Just keep it as German Measles. Wow. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And um, ridiculous. Also, to, to wrap this one up. Oh, I will say, first of all, um, because as we know, burgers have gotten bigger and bigger and more lavish and lavish in more recent years. So, the Guinness World Record holder for the most calorific burger in the entire world uh, belongs to the quadruple bypass burger, which you'll find in Las Vegas, Yes, I've heard of this. It is a whopping 9,982 calories. How could anyone eat that in one sitting? I mean, they have all of these different ones. It's heart attack. Quadruple bypass. I think there's, they, ju- they just go up through the But the quadruple's the worst at 9,982. Yeah, but you've got to ask yourself, that's basically just an empty, like a, an unfinishable plate burger. Like, who's going to eat 9,500 calories? Apart from competitive eaters, maybe they will. It's almost 10,000 calories. Yeah, that's four days food for a male. It's bonkers. Anyway, that's, that's what holds the title. If you're looking for the most expensive hand hamburger, it is, uh, well, according to Guinness World Records, it is actually held by a New York City restaurant called Serendipity 3, which in 2012 unveiled their most expensive hamburger, which was La Burger Extravagant, which they sell for $295, made from white truffle butter, Japanese Wagyu beef, and the burger is topped with James Montgomery cheddar cheese, black truffles, and a fried quail egg. It is served on a gold-dusted campagna roll spread with white truffle butter, and the roll is topped with a blini, creme, brioche, and caviar. How much was that? Uh, that was two hundred ninety-five dollars. So not can't too be crazy. The most expensive one. Well, the thing is, I I'm looked sure at- it's like a two thousand dollar burger in Hong Kong or Here's something. Right. Here's the thing: I was looking at a couple of those most expensive burgers on Earth, and the one that tops the list is at five thousand dollars. Right, but this is a, a burger that's sold at Chef Hubert Keller's restaurant Fleur which is inside the Mandalay Bay Casino, and this is a Wagyu beef patty that's topped with foie gras and truffle, and it doesn't sound like it's worth $5,000. That's because it's a burger that sold with a bottle of 1995 Chateau Patrol. Uh, 
Cheating. This is what, yeah. So a lot of these really expensive burgers that are getting around the world, it's because it's coming with like Dom Perignon, like from like 1962 or like some crazy expensive wine. So I don't think it's the burger in itself that's so expensive. But I was just going according to the current Guinness World Record title holder, and that's $295 straight up for the burger. Although I have to say, circling back to the whole white truffle on a burger thing, pretty much our favorite burger we've had in Europe so far ever is in Budapest at W35, and he uses truffle oil. And we only found out the second time we went back there, we actually took a pilgrimage back to his place because the first so time was so good. good. Had it again, and we're like, oh my God, this is still so good. Why is that? It's like, oh, I use truffle oil on the burger. Finishes the burger with that. It is amazing. Like, oh, oh, hang on. Yeah, it just brings all the flavors out. So truffle oil on a burger, give it a go. I personally feel that the La Burger Extravagante has too much truffle. I mean, I'm sure that they probably balance the flavors well, because otherwise, if you drop in 295 bucks on a burger and it's too truffly, you're going to be annoyed. I think it sounds too truffly, but I do agree. Truffle on a burger is amazing. In moderation, it works. I'm going to finish off these fun facts with one I just absolutely loved. In 2009, Peter, the- uh, The vegan uh, against animal cruelty people. They offered Hamburg, New York, $15,000 worth of non-meat patties to change the town's name to Veggie Burger. Hamburg declined. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they did. And that's all I've got. That's it. That's the end of Hamburgers. Well, that's it, people. Uh, Lots of different Hamburg stories. Do tweet us your... Your choice. Which one do you think is the actual story? Or, or are all of them true? Like, I think maybe all of them are true in different timelines in Terminator. So, who knows? <laughs> They're all true. Wikipedia is like this weird Terminator-controlled online computer system. I didn't get system. any of this information from Wikipedia. Oh, I don't know. The internet then in general, it's just Terminator-controlled. Well, that's true, yeah. So, um, they could all be true. They could all be completely fake. Everything's fake. The whole world's fake. We live in the Matrix. I don't really know. I couldn't possibly tell you at this stage of the show because uh, we've been recording for quite a while now. But I do think you should all go out and go eat a tasty burger now because I think if, you know, I couldn't care less who invented it. I'm just glad that it happened, um, especially once they became cheeseburgers <laughs> because I'm all, yeah, we're all about the cheeseburger. But um, it's, uh, I, I'm never going to say no to a hamburger. What can I say? Bacon, blue cheese, caramelized onions. That is a good burger. Yeah. Or also barbecue sauce, jalapenos, and cheddar. No, I don't like barbecue sauce. I know you don't, but I do. Mm. I'm just saying what I like. I don't want to hear about your stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, feel free to tweet us your absolute best burger you've ever had in the world. So tweet us at Food Fun Travel. We want to know where it was, and we want to know what was on it. And if you have a picture, oh my God, if you have a picture, share the picture. Tweet the picture at Food Fun Travel. Let us know what the burgers are. We'd like to see some tasty burgers. We love looking at tasty burgers. I'm sure you do as Hashtag well. Hashtag food worth traveling for. Yes, do it. Okay, that's the end of the show. Once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dish. You can help us out by sponsoring us. You will get some extra bonus episodes. Um, we were talking earlier about the possibility that people used marketing 
that might not be quite true in order to spin their product to be more famous than it was. One of our bonus episodes is about Worcestershire sauce or Worcestershire sauce or Worcestershire sauce, depending on how badly you pronounce it. Uh, so one of our bonus episodes <laughs> is about Salsa Inglés. Salsa Inglés, if you are from Mexico or Spain. You can go and listen to that right away if you sponsor us at foodfuntravel.com slash extras. That takes you to our Podbean patron account. From as little as $1.50 a month, you can get access to those sorts of bonus episodes. More of us talking random food fun stuff. And a little less Terminator. And a little less Terminator in that one. But there might be more Terminator in the future. Let's Who hope knows? not. No, this was the Terminator episode. Yeah, We've I decided so. that's, yeah. that's it for that. Okay, We don't well, even have copyright for this. We're going to get like taken off the air. Like, <laughs> do you have rights for copyright? Like James Cameron's going to be knocking on our door going, have you got the rights for this? And Arnie will be like, I am so pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I am so pissed with you. <laughs> Food fun travel is not fun. <laughs> Pay me my royalties. You're not fun. I can't even do an Austrian accent. I'm so bad. This is why I get you to do all the accents. Pop culture references are not copyrightable in my uh, in my knowledge. No. I don't think they no, can actually we'll do right. anything about it. Terminator, 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 Terminator. So there. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's it. Do grab the show notes from this episode as well, which will be available at foodfuntravel.com slash hamburger podcast. And there'll be loads of other stuff on the article because we normally throw a lot of really interesting bits and pieces into those. Yeah, as long as the, as well as the transcript from this entire show as well. So if you want to sit through and read through all the notes without our random tangents and bantering it in between. It won't be as fun. No, it won't be, but it'll be there for you for your next high school research paper. <laughs> yeah. All right, that'll be there. So once again, thanks again for joining us. All right, till next time. Signing out. Don't forget to follow us on various channels wherever you listen. Give us a five-star review on iTunes as well because, you know, we appreciate that stuff. Five-star review everywhere. More five-star reviews equals more episodes. That's what we want. Until next time, bye. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.